0: I'm Matt Dixon and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast, as ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And it is our final check of the box. Yes, the check of the box of the special Return to Racing Podcast Month. We finish up our takeover with everything about the emerging races that are occurring now, this year. Are you excited to be back? We've gone through your global mindset, how to set up for the swim, the bike, the run, fueling and hydration strategies, and today... We are talking about race execution, a deep dive into the elements to ensure that you are able to meet trained potential with race day performance. Yes, it is Matt Dixon's special insights in nailing race day. But before we dive into the details, I want to tell you a story. It's a story about an athlete, and it is this week's Ooh, the Bleeding Echie You. Yes, today I'm going to tell you the story of Heather Hamilton, purple patch athlete, just made her return to racing after a long layoff. Now, to launch into this story, I want to tell you the basics about Heather. 39 years of age, lives in Midland, Texas. She's married. Very lovely. She's married to her childhood sweetheart. Got three boys at home, 10, 12, and 14. Goodness me, as the youngest of three boys, Heather, I know what you're going through. I'm sure it's anarchy in the household. Now, what's Heather's background athletically? She actually grew up as a devoted classical ballet dancer. No other real sports than that. But by the time she turned 14, it was challenging. She was kind of burnt out. And so she joined the local track club. And she went on to run at the University of Minnesota Duluth 400 meter hurdles and some middle distance and then post-collegiately she got into the world of marathon running. All very interesting, but in marathon running, she proclaims that she never really reached her potential, mostly trapped into a cycle of injury. And so in 2017, she tried these things called super sprint triathlons and the hook was there. Swim, bike, run, and off you go. She was a triathlete. Now, The reason I'm telling you this story about Heather is because just like you, Heather faced the same challenges over the course of COVID as I'm sure you did. She actually had a lot of mental anxiety and stress, worried about what was happening in the world. And of course, three boys suddenly from home. She struggled trying to assist her children in the virtual school setting. And of course, keeping everything at home running as normally as possible. Throughout the pandemic, she started several builds for races. Each one of them canceled, canceled, rescheduled. But within all this, there was, amongst the challenge, opportunity, bright sparks. One of them, Heather's husband, now could work from home. And so ironically, as the worlds collided, they actually had as a family less scheduling conflicts, more time to be together. In some ways, bizarrely, a little more time to relax Well, she went through the pandemic. I asked Heather, what was it like training? And the first thing that she brought up to me was the challenge of how upsetting it was as Galveston 70.3 in 2020 was canceled and rescheduled. And then her big one, Ironman Texas, very early in the pandemic, canceled. And suddenly she, like many of you, lost her roadmap. It was frustrating, really challenging. So I asked Heather, How did you keep moving forward in that? And the first part of it was commiserating with fellow athletes. It was frustrating. And if you go back, if you had your races canceled, you understand what that means. But she also grounded herself with realizing that the fitness that she had built in her prep for those races while they no longer existed was not wasted fitness. And so she took action, mental action, and she shifted, just as we talked about last year, she shifted her relationship with training away from being just driving towards races and instead actually utilizing training to be a coping mechanism. The running and biking sessions were actually opportunities for Heather to de-stress, to clear her mind. And she did something much on the request of myself and the team at Purple Patch, focus on developing in the areas that maybe she wouldn't do if she was training for a race. And she did that. She became better at bike handling. She had a little bit more freedom. She infused a lot of what we call soul-filling activities, a lot of unstructured riding. All of this might sound familiar to you, but let me pause so far, because if you're a loyal listener, you're going to realize that Heather's story right now is almost the picture perfect call of action of what we told athletes to embrace. We said, make sure you keep the stability of training because that's something you can control. Ensure that you're developing in areas while you cannot race and also embrace the soul filling side of the sport because racing is a long way off and the other promise that we provided was if you do these three things my prediction is when racing does come back you're going to have an opportunity and an opportunity to really shine to thrive to have some great performances well Heather's a part of our Purple Patch Squad program and so she utilized that program through the pandemic and her thoughts on that were really telling She said that throughout the last year, the program really sort of, in her words, met me where I was at. And never as a runner did she experience months on end where she didn't have to miss workouts due to injury or sickness. And so it felt sustainable and able to move her fitness forward. That's a really, really good thing. But she also highlights that it took a little courage on her side. She had to suspend her judgment because the running style was so different from what she was used to with those big, big high mileage marathon running days. She was very skeptical about split running, about walk breaks and so many other components. But as she says, now I'm a believer. Or doesn't that sound cult-like? Anyway, why am I telling you this story of Heather today on today's show? The reason is that Heather was one of our first athletes back to racing. She recently got to race Galveston 70.3 just a year later following the pandemic. Now, just like you might be feeling right now, leading into this race, she had plenty of anxiety. In fact, she said that it was very, very easy to allow her mind to spiral out of control of anxiety. Goodness me, I'm nervous. How am I gonna do? It's been so long. She also proclaims that she was really nervous about open water swimming. She just simply hadn't got to swim that much. She started to find herself second guessing about her numbers and her paces. She knew she was fit, but she was really, really worried that she was gonna, quote, blow it. After all, this was kind of an 18-month lead up to what would be ultimately in her mind all for nothing if she didn't do well. The good thing is, it seems, is that one of the Purple Patch podcasts just came at the right time because I lauded a few weeks ago, go into your first race with no expectations. Oppose that with low expectations, just go in with nothing. No expectations. Reframe it as a wonderful big training day early in the season and to see how you do. She took that on board and by race week, she decided, you know what, I'm just going to go and give it a crack. So, what happened? How did Galveston go? You know what happened? She went, she raced without expectations, infused with a mood of celebration, of gratitude, of actually giving herself the opportunity to have fun. And you know what? With that spirit and no expectation, she asked her body, how you doing? What are you gonna give me? And the output was that she was the first overall female amateur finisher. She didn't get an overall amateur title at Galveston by adding more metrics into the puzzle, by complicating. There was no magical intervention, no secrets. All it was, was progressive and smart training over time, fueled by a positive mindset and a commitment, do this, it's revolutionary, a commitment to try her best. And her performance was really the crown the crown of the suite of breakthrough performances that we experienced over the initial weeks of our return to racing. We've now had three races and we are inspired by her journey and I think you can be too, but I also believe that you can draw the lessons. Now Heather had a really important piece of advice that she wanted to impart to you before you go to your first race. As you step up for your return to racing, what's Heather's advice? I'm going to hold that because I'm going to reveal it all in the meat and potatoes of today's show. But for right now, I just want to say well done to Heather and also to all of the Purple Patch athletes over the initial weeks of this return to racing who have stepped up, raced with the right spirit, and been rewarded with some wonderful performances. We are proud and we are excited. And with that, I hope it lifts your spirits, because I want to get on with a Squatty update. Yes, a couple of important things for you today, a couple of reminders. So over the last month, we have gone through what we labelled our Return to Racing Podcast Month, And if you are listening today, and you've enjoyed the education around triathlon, specifically over the last month, I invite you to dive a little deeper. Now you can do that by becoming a part of our performance academy in which we infuse a lot of education, but you can also do it through the thick, ink filled pages of the fast track triathlete. Yes, my second book was all about integrating sport into your life. And while you're doing that, nailing your goals. And so if you'd like to get your hands on a copy, have it by your bedside, read into the words of wisdom from me, head to purplepatchfitness.com. You can purchase it from there. And if you do so, you know what I'll do for you? I will desecrate your copy. I'll add a personal note and my signature. The Fast Track Triathlete, it's my second book. I'm pretty proud of it. And if you'd like your own copy, signed, head to purplepatchfitness.com. And we'll make sure we ship it off to you. And the second piece of my Squatty update is something a little bit more nuanced. I actually want to make a little bit of a coaching point. I'm going to get up on my soapbox. For you guys that are European, you might have been to Hyde Park Corner in London. There's a soapbox there. You can stand up and you can pontificate. Today for the Squatty update, I would like to take this opportunity to pontificate. Thank you. This is from my heart. I want to talk about our squad program a little bit. This squad program is now a couple of years old, and since its inception, we have evolved and developed it, and it's something that we're really, really proud of. But over the last couple of years, there's something, even within some of the team members of Purple Patch, that's eked away at me. And there is a common perception, misperception, that the squad program is, quote, only suited for athletes who are middle of pack or beginner. And it doesn't really serve athletes who are really seeking higher performance. In fact, we had a couple of coaches at Purple Patch who loved to label the program as beginners. And I always resisted that. And the reason I resisted that and fought that perception is because it was wrong. And the whole point of the squad program is that it is built to meet you where you are at in your journey. And if you follow it as intended, you will drive your results. You will improve. And our story today, Heather Hamilton and all of the other podium finishers that we've had over the initial races of 2021 all act as wonderful case studies. And also equally to that, wonderful case studies of the program, are the folks that also utilized exactly the same program to successfully get across their first finish line of their first triathlon. That's pretty startling to me. The overall amateur winner is utilizing the same program as the person who crossed the finish line of their first 70.3. Yes, congratulations to you first-time finishers, including you, Halit Usta. You see, the common thread of these folks is they are united in their desire to improve. They are time-starved and they want to integrate sport into your life. And that is the whole premise. It's not about dumping training on top of life. It's about integration. And so, I pontificate today on that program and I stand up to you old coaches that used to say it's just for beginners and I raise my middle finger to you. Well done Heather well done the other podium finishers and the multiple 70.3 world qualifiers that we had utilizing squad in the first three races back of 2021. Now, my loyal listeners, let's go forth, whether you're coached by Purple Patch or not, and let's go and build a wonderful season of performance. For folks that are interesting, look, we'd love to help you. Become part of Purple Patch. You can head to purplepatchfitness.com or reach out to us at info at and we will be sure to direct and support you. But enough of that, let's get on. Now, ladies and gentlemen, spread thin as Barry is with his obligations on this show as well as the camera operator at the Purple Patch Centre live coaching and, of course, all things making cups of tea for us at the center. Right now, today, he is focused. He is present on what he can control. And so, Barry, today, let it rip. Lead us, Bazza. It's Word of the Week. We like the way he thinks. Serious with a way. Let's open the book. It's time to take a peek. It's the day. Yes, it is the word of the week and the word this week is return. The return. Many folks are excited for their return to racing and most equal with their excitement come the nerves. It's been a while. How is my body going to respond? Let me inspire you with a little hope. Our first big race back was Galveston 70.3 in Texas just a few weeks ago. We had 15 athletes there. And probably all 15 of those returning felt the same as you. They were worried. It's natural to be worried. You haven't raced for a while. There's rust. Now, for you listeners to the show that are frequent, you will probably remember my words over the last year of the challenge. I talk repeatedly about, yes, the situation we find ourselves in is stressful, but within this situation of stress and challenge, there is opportunity. And if you stick with yourself and you keep progressing and you're patient, you will, our tagline, emerge stronger. Well, the first test of that was Galveston 70.3. It gave us our litmus, 15 athletes, how are they going to do? Guess what? Nearly all of them had wonderful, great personal performances. Now, you just heard Heather Hamilton won the overall female title. Super duper, but the other 14 raced really, really well. So what does this mean? This isn't a guarantee. It doesn't promise you that you just stroll into your first race back and have a wonderful performance, but it can be inspiring. You see, the real reason that these athletes nailed their racing is that they allowed themselves to have clear heads. They took nothing for granted and they ensured that they didn't saddle themselves with any expectations. They simply arrived at the race with a commitment to provide a great effort and a celebration of the occasion. What they did is they let their training express itself. And my bet on top of it is that none of these athletes throughout the last year gave up hope or focused throughout the toughest days of the pandemic. All of them maintained some semblance of training structure and they used it to provide stability in the chaos of what was life. And so as we return collectively, not just to racing, but towards a more normal life, I urge you dial it in. Now is the time, emerge stronger and get primed because what we had ahead of us now is a wonderful opportunity for personal excellence. There is no better time. And that is why the word of the week this week is the return. And with that, let's talk about the how in racing. Yes, it's race execution time. It is time, thank you for your help on the banjo, but Barry, it is time for the meat and potatoes. Alright, gang, the meat and potatoes. There are four sections to go through so that we can help you with executing your race. And the first one of these that is important and we need to revisit is mindset. For you to physically perform, you have to make sure that the controller, your mind, is in the right place. Because the driver behind your physical conditioning and performance is always your mind. So let's establish the right framework. Now, I could wrap this up into a lovely, cute one liner. It might be something like, this race doesn't define you. You have nothing to lose. Nail the basics, celebrate the return. And that would be super. In fact, why don't you write that on your arm in marker pen? It doesn't define me, nothing to lose. Nail the basics, celebrate the return. Let that be your driver. But you guys, needy listeners that you are, you want more than that, don't you? Luckily, I'm here. And so here is my list on framing of your mindset for the initial race. Now, this might be your first race ever, or it is your initial race on your return after a long layoff, as many of us face ourselves. So let's go big picture. Let's go through some of these. So number one, this doesn't define you. I invite you, as you go into your first race, to remove the pressure. You shouldn't build this initial race into some pass-fail event. That's what Heather was doing originally. Oh my goodness me, what happens if? It's been so long. Is this all gonna be for nothing? Realize this and embrace that. Stamp it on your heart. Your first race of any season of your career on your return, it doesn't define you. It doesn't define you as a success as an athlete or the value of your hard work that you have been doing over the layoff. And so let's station that in your mind, number one. Number two, I also invite you to let gratitude carry you through the day. You see, if you're getting right now, over the coming weeks or months, if you're gonna get to step onto the race course, why don't we spend a little moment now and put that into the context of the state of the world globally? Yeah, you're pretty lucky. You're pretty lucky. We all benefit from the fact that we get to step on the race course. We get to go and play, challenge ourselves, compete. What a freaking gift. This thing is not over in many parts of the world. It is a serious thing that is happening in the world. And so I would invite you to keep that in context and let that lift you. Be thankful, a bit of gratitude, and ensure that you Ensure that you have a celebratory note of mind and a big smile from inside on your heart. It's been a while. Oh, I'm going to go and commit to have fun. So, straight away, we've just removed the shackle of expectations and we've put it in the context. We get to play and have fun. And guess what? When you have fun, good things tend to happen. Good. All right. So, what should you expect of yourself? well, you should expect nothing. You should have no expectations. And that is very, very different than low expectations. Low expectations is a belief that you are not going to do well. That is not what I mean here. I'm just going in curious. I just want you to go into your first race with an inquisitive mind and a very simple commitment. And that is you're going to commit to try your very best in all of the things that you can control throughout the race. Period. Nothing else. And finally, let's put this race in context of your entire year of performance. This first race back is going to act as your platform to build from you're going to likely have in this first race some real bright spots. you also probably have areas of the race in which you're going to want to grow from. You're going to want to improve, but just seek the lessons from your first race. And once you have that, you really are liberated and free to just go and give it a crack. Now with those four main components of your mindset, I still think it's important to realize and and acknowledge that it's very, very normal for you to carry a little anxiety into race number one, even fear. You see, when you return to racing, the truth is that you are rusty. It's been a while. And this event is gonna naturally feel bigger because of that time since your last race. And I would encourage you to actually acknowledge that feeling, embrace it. And the reason for this is because those feelings are really, really normal. In part, it's your body priming itself for the event, but also it's the fact that your brain simply cannot answer the question, which is, am I ready to have a breakout performance? You don't really know that because racing, the act of racing is not currently familiar to you. And when you are familiar, you become confident. And so with the lack of familiarity, there's a bit of anxiety there. The feelings of anxiety are normal. And so there's absolutely no need to try and suppress those feelings or pretend that they're not real. But what you have control over is deciding how you interact with those feelings, how you respond to those feelings and it doesn't take much for you to actually shift the relationship with the natural anxiety. All you need to do is stop, pause, and reflect. All right, I'm worried, I'm anxious. But what can I control? Well, I tell you what you can control. You can control your actions, you can control your commitment, and where you decide to place your focus. And so if I go into this race with no expectations. And I channel all of my focus on the things that I actually can control and a simple commitment to try my best in those areas I can control, no matter what happens throughout the race. And then whatever happens, whatever my body gives me, good, bad, or ugly, I can be really satisfied with my effort on the day and I am going to have something to build from. You see, that is what we mean when we say, when you get all that right, you have freedom to fail. And so that's our mindset. That's how I want you to carry into this first race. Now we're going to get a little more granular. I want to break down your path to proper race execution, some of the details here. And so the second category we're going to go through is a simple word, logistics. Here are the words on logistics. Plan, 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 plan. Ahead. Remember Heather Hamilton, that purple patch athlete that won the overall amateur title at Galveston 70.3 in her very first race back? I asked Heather, what was the one piece of advice that you would give to athletes that were returning to their first race? And I feel like her response was gold. And so today, I'm just going to simply read it. Here it is If I could offer advice, it would be simple. Plan ahead. Before Galveston, I created a race week itinerary, a packing list, and I wrote down my race and nutrition plan the weekend ahead of the race. Now, in race week, I had the very normal, completely hectic schedule. But what I could do is refer back to my checklist of what needed to happen every day, and that helped me keep the stress levels down. I spent time reviewing my race plan and visualizing my race every single night. And I'm absolutely convinced that this helped me move calmly through race day rather than feeling really rusty. Wow, pretty simply put, and there it is. When you are rusty and you haven't raced for a while, you want to try and double down on reducing stress potential. So that means planning your schedule, your equipment list, really understanding and knowing the logistics of the race, and also finding out how the new race protocols will operate because it's a new world of racing out there. So equipment, it's going to be really worth your time well in advance to go through a serious equipment infantry. For the swim, you want to think through every scenario. Multiple sets of gobbles, spare swim caps. What are your needs for warm up? Your wetsuit, does it still fit you? Is it in good condition? Going through your bike, is it clean, functional? Are the batteries charged in your shifting and your gears? Are the tires of good quality? What's your bike bag? Is it ready for travel? How are you going to rebuild your bike when you arrive on race site? What about mechanical issues? What happens if you have something wrong? Do you know the local shop or where to get things fixed? Helmets, glasses, race gear, fuel and hydration carrying, the list goes on. And then we get to the run, gear, visors, socks, carrying your fuel, on and on and on. And all of that is before I even think about sunscreen, anti-chafing gear, band-aids and other medical needs. Yes, you get the point. Arriving with the gear organized, clean, and in great condition is going to reduce risk. It's going to create a clear mind. And it allows your focus to be placed on the appropriate things, not scattered and not all over the place as you flow into race week. You don't want to find yourself in a highly reactive state. You need to be able to respond to the things that will inevitably happen because it's race week and it always does, but you're not scattered. What about your fuel? Okay, spend some time. Map your fuel and hydration plan. What are you going to use? How often? How much? How are you going to transport? What's actually on course and how much of that will you utilize? Is there anything else you need to think about? And then what about your schedule and logistics while you're actually at race site? Do you have reservations for dinner? Do you have access to your favorite coffee or Nespresso machine or French press? Do you need to bring that? What about your super duper overnight oats that can only be purchased at your local hippy dippy health food store? You get the drift. I encourage you to arrive prepared. Now, if my quick list right now sounds daunting, well, you've got some work to do, don't you? But do it now because everything that I mention does have to happen. It's got to get done. And so you might as well be organized. It's better to do it well ahead of race time rather than scrambling in the final 48 hours when it's staring at you right in the face. It enables you to arrive free of mind and in control. And that is going to lower stress. Because as I mentioned before, things never, ever, ever go as planned in race week. And so now, ladies and gentlemen, we have the mindset established. We have the logistics thought through and you're organized. Now let's talk about race execution, actually hitting it. So here's what I would say. When you get to step up and race, do not. Overcomplicate it. Don't turn each discipline of this race into a PhD worth of planning and work. Instead, just demand of yourself to get 95% of the way to your performance potential by simply nailing a few important elements. And so I'm going to give you some quick and dirties. First, race morning. First race back, new environment for racing, get there early ensure you understand the course flow, the transition, any of the logistics, and most importantly, a hot tip from nearly all of our athletes across the first three races that we've had this year is make sure you keep listening. You see, the organizers are rusty too, and they're operating in a changing environment. And so stay really, really aware because our initial races back have already provided some logistical surprises for athletes. So keep listening. Number two, warm up. You need to get the core temperature going. You probably need a little longer warm up. Understand what you need. Don't mimic others, but make sure you go through your warm up process. That's very personal, but don't skip that. And many, many athletes, all the way from pro down, forget the warm up. Do that. I will add one more thing in the warm up. And I hope that you take this on board. Throughout the course of your warm-up, I invite you to pause and be alone and have a little point of reflection, maybe a touch of gratitude. It's a wonderful time for you to set the mindset, pre-race and come back. I've got nothing to prove. I won't be defined. I'm gonna celebrate and I'm going to commit to the mission. And you set that mindset and you hold on to it throughout the race, no matter what happens. You won't regret a little pause, a moment by yourself. Perhaps you think about the show so that you can set the mindset and you proverbially hold hands with all of the other listeners and all of the other athletes in here that are going to go into their first race back Ready to just try their best. Because I promise you, if you do that, you will hold on to it all day. Oh, and one more thing. Just remember your smile, that's the thing that will fuel you. There is no need to go into this first race back as a dour puss. You don't need to do that. All it's going to do is drag others down, and it ain't going to help you. All right, let's go swim, bike, run. I know you want it. Let's get aquatic first. A few essential pieces. I've said it before, but here we go. Swim, number one, do not overgas the first 100 strokes. Count your strokes right arm one, left arm two, right arm three, left arm four. Your first 100 strokes, calm, build in. With the excitement of the occasion, I promise you, you will not go too slow but what you will do by staying calm is set yourself up for success. Married with that, number two, establish frequent sighting early, and then keep sighting. Swimming in a straight line is your greatest predictor of swim performance. Sight, frequent and often, don't forget. Thirdly, first race back, establish a general building effort through the swim. Enough said on that, but this is your best path to both limit the cost of the swim without any time penalty and also set you up for a great bike and run. Build, build, build the swim. And number four, I would encourage you, create ownership around your own performance unless you are at the very pointy end of this field, I would not overstress about the thing that everyone focuses on, getting in the draft. Guess what? For the majority of you guys, getting in the draft, all you're doing is putting the control of the race in someone else's hand. And the people that you're drafting off are more than likely as poor a sighting as you are. So instead, sight frequently, maintain a focus on yourself. And finally, if you don't like your rhythm in the swim, change it. Now, here's something that I haven't mentioned on the show before, but you might find helpful. Let's acknowledge something. An open water swim, especially one in triathlon, can become pretty monotonous. And people underswim relative to their train potential they just poodle along through the swim, they might as well be driftwood. Well, there are frequent buoys or buoys, as the Americanos like to say, and those buoys can be used to reset, to establish focus and presence. And between those buoys, you might actually count your strokes and keep a really targeted emphasis on keeping both a firm grip or hold on the water and ensuring that each pull is accelerating past the hip. Grip it and rip it, as Luke Bell used to say. Stroke counting is a really nice path to break up a long drag that is an open water swim into little mini intervals, little smaller projects, and that's going to end up with no more cost, but a better outcome for you. Okay, that's the quick and dirty on swim execution. Bike, two wheels following a very nice, tidy, efficient, and unrushed transition, a few elements on the bike. Number one, a little bit of patience. Allow yourself time to settle. There are two components here. You're coming out of a prone position in the water, upright, running, high heart rate through transition, and then getting on a bike. There's a lot of turbulence and a lot of high heart rate in that section. Your legs are going to lightly feel pretty ordinary. And so over the first two or three miles, the first 5K, don't judge how you feel and just let everything settle, including your stomach. It's after the first 10, 15, 20 minutes that then you can start your fueling and hydration program and you can start to build into a good effort on the bike. So much like the swim, calm, build, find rhythm. Super. Number two, don't get all metric headed on me ride really well with good posture, good pedaling, and ride the terrain. Primarily, you want to get the wheels to flow. Now, you can check in on your metrics, use heart rate and power as a checkpoint, as a feedback mechanism, but the output isn't your driver of focus or success. If you're spending more time looking down at your screen and looking at your metrics, you are not riding relative to the environment or the terrain and you will not ride as well as you can. And so the metrics and the output is just a little bit of feedback, but focus on, simply put, riding really well. Number three, don't forget your fueling and hydration. Simple put, it's so easy to forget in the occasion. You spent all that time planning it, now work the plan. And number four, vary the load. There is nothing that destroys your run performance more than sitting at the same power, in the same position and the same pedal stroke or cadence all the way through. The body likes variance, and you can utilize that variance to ensure that you're managing what we call postural stress. And just like the swim guys, build, build, build. In fact, for your first race back, I would say, and particularly for athletes that are doing their first race globally, it's better to be slightly underriding the very first race back, over going gung-ho, and then turning the run into running in dire straits. And talking of the run, let's finish it out. You have one chance in this run to set proper posture and that's coming out of transition. Your first couple of kilometers, mile plus, is all about setting posture and form. If you don't dial it in early, you will never reclaim it later. Posture, 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 supple arm carriage, get to leg speed. Now in this time, you should have zero attention on how you feel, because you're probably gonna feel pretty darn ordinary. So build in, find your foot speed. Throughout this run course, the vast majority of you guys listening are going to be deploying a really smart and strategic set of walk breaks so that you can maintain good running form. Now, if you're listening today and you're like, mm, I'm not a, I'm not a walker, go back and listen to last week's show about everything run, and then come back and say, good, you're right, I'm gonna give it a crap. I'm going to integrate smart walk breaks. And finally, in the run, this is the time that fatigue will set in. This is the time that the rustiness might start to show itself. This is the time that things can start to unravel. And so the last thing I'll say about the run is that you must consistently manage energy, manage your resources, and absolutely remain committed to the task. The run is gonna be the point where your mind wanders and frustrations are gonna be allowed to creep in. Instead, stay focused, stay present, state process as the Americans say process orientated and don't start to judge your race the evaluation of your whole race doesn't happen on the run instead finish it finish the job no matter what hurdles you've had to overcome no matter what obstacles that have occurred on the swim and bike in the start of the run finish the race and then, First, be happy to be back. That's number one. Second, support your friends. Cheer others on. That's number two. And then finally, three, wait for the deep dive and the analysis until the days after the race. You've probably got some good in there, some bad, some indifferent, but all of them will provide lessons. And those lessons are gonna become more clear and you can be more objective when you give a little time, a little space, and an opportunity for reflection. Because no matter what has happened, you are not a hero. Heather Hamilton is not a hero. She had a great race, good. Now she's got to build. She's gonna go on and race an Ironman next. But equally, if you have a tough day, you're not a failure. And so give yourself space and time and wait for the days following. Okay, finally, I wanna make one mention around fueling and hydration. I really encourage you, so section four, fueling and hydration, I really encourage you to set out a plan. And it is important, you should really plan your fueling and hydration strategy. What are you gonna consume? How often will you consume it? How much each time? How are you gonna store it? What's your backup plan? It's all really good and you're gonna be ready with that once you've done it, yes. But in execution, the actual working the plan is a little more, pardon the pun, fluid. You see, you can and you should plan, but life is not a spreadsheet. And a great race execution is you working the plan while you are in the race. You need to actually respond to what is happening when you're on the course. What is actually happening to your gut? and your energy, and your focus, and your motivation while you are on the course. So work the plan. Let me give you an example. You're losing focus, energy's dipping, you're getting grumpy. The actual importance of those goals that you set out before the race, they're evaporating. It's just not that important to you anymore. Guess what? Those feelings, those moods, it's calories. You need fuel for your legs and or for your brain. Get the body fuel. But my plan says that I should only be fueling every 30 minutes and I'm only 15 minutes in. Okay, fuel, sister, fuel. Get the body sugar. Work the plan. Conversely to that, You're riding along, everything's going great, but I'm feeling a little burpy, bloated, almost sick. All right, that's happening, that's reality. You know what it is? Whatever you've been consuming is not absorbing. You've got stomach sludge. You need to get that moving through the GI system. You had maybe too many calories. Perhaps whatever calories you were consuming didn't come with enough hydration for diluting those calories. Or maybe this magical recipe that you had, when you've added the stress of the race, the effort, or the environment on top of it, it's just not absorbing. So the last thing that you want to do in this situation is tip more calories onto the stomach. They're not being absorbed in the first place. You need to get them passing. And so it doesn't matter what the plan said, you now need to dilute them. So you need to pause the plan, pause the fueling, and get just hydration in. Dilute them. Work the plan. Wow. That's a lot on race execution. What I encourage you to do is filter through today's information, draw from the stuff that's really relevant to you. And I hope then that you can build your armor. You can take the important pieces that are relevant to you and go and take your performance puzzle. I will finish it with this gang. I and all of the team at Purple Patch wish you the very best. We would love to hear how it goes. And before we go, I want to say one more thing. Remember one more thing. No matter what happens out there, whatever happens on race day, on the day itself, never, ever, ever forget your mission. And it is very simple. Once you tow the line, you need to get from the start line to the finish line as fast as you can across all three disciplines. Now, over the course of that day, you might face challenge, adversity, obstacles, but if you remain on task, present, focused on the mission, on the things that you can control, no matter what, you will be proud and you can also grow from it. And so it is the mission to keep you focused, to solving challenges, that are gonna provide the greatest yield, whether it's great or it's just an opportunity to grow. And with that gang, let's get to it. This is step number one. It's not a destination, it's a stepping stone. And so I leave it. Get your marker pen out because you need to remember it. This won't define me. I've got nothing to lose. I'm gonna nail the basics. And I'm going to celebrate what will be a wonderful return. Thanks so much, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, would really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review the show. The Apple Podcasts link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time staff people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Cheers!